Welcome to the Soccer Doctors Podcast with Dr. Andy Harper and Dr. Craig Duncan. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Soccer Doctors again. And Harps is here as usual. And uh, I hope you are doing well wherever you are. How are you, Harps? I'm well. And um, you know what? Not a reference to what I'm wearing. That's brilliant. That's a major breakthrough for us. Well, the reason is because you you look absolutely normal. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us your exciting news. I, I think it's really exciting news because you know I'm a I'm a lover of animals, and you sent me a video today of this beautiful uh, calf being born. So that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, I love this time of year, Craig. Living on a little farm, little hobby farm. And I love this time of year when you've got breeding or breeding anything because you just see the beauty of nature kick in, the maternal mm. instinct of these magnificent animals. And I very, was very fortunate to be doing the rounds of a paddock last night and, and um, you know, came across a cow who was looking like she was about to get ready. And then, bang, she put on the show. It was just... Yeah. It was just remarkable with all her mates sort of standing there around making sure everything was okay and me standing there in my shorts and, and filmed it. It was great. I filmed yeah. it so my son could see it and uh, I'd like to think it didn't put any undue um, stress on the animal having me sort of hovering around. I don't think so because it's, it's not that unusual. But it was a, it was a, it's, a, it's a highlight of what's a great time of year. Um, mm. You just watch nature kick in and we get so caught up in stuff and manufactured things and organizing our lives. And in the end, the wonder of nature just never ceases. Yeah, no, that's that's really, really nice. What else has been going on? How's your... Well, you I've, know... I've been thinking, look, I'm all well. Um, I, I've been thinking since our last chat, because I wanted to make a point last time. We, we sort of raised the point, the moot point, what if we'd grown up in America? What sports would we have played? And yes. And you said, oh, I think we both would have played baseball. I actually, I think we would have played everything. But um, because we asked, I asked you why you got into soccer. Now, I reckon because we got active in sport in the early 70s. My first season in soccer was in 1972. Correct. I Same as mine. Yep. Yeah, right. For, for Mount Kohler. Now, I was St. Ives, you were Mount Kohler. And then I thought, you know what? Our existence in America would have been very similar. Um, because my reference point for that is twofold. Firstly, after doing a paper on this in my PhD, we were born not that many years before the North American Soccer League started, the New York Cosmos, Palais, Beckenbauer, Cruyff, all those guys going and really setting the fuse. This was, in, the, in modern history terms, this was the start of soccer's explosion in America. Mm. And very reasonably, we could have been part of that as kids. And the reason why I've linked the two is because of that cultural icon, the Brady Bunch. Oh, my, one of my favourite TV shows. It still brings, you know, if, I, if I'm feeling down and out, if you, if you watch a, a show of the Brady Bunch, it brings you back just to a lovely time. It does. And talk about something being manufactured, but nevertheless, manufactured yes. things can be. I could watch the whole show again now. If they would do a Brady Bunch binge on a streaming oh. service for Fox, I'd, I could easily watch the whole thing. I agree. I agree. You transfix back to your own childhood. Yeah, that and Happy Days. Did you? Were you a Happy Days fan? Well, that's why I'm a Packers fan because of. Oh, right. Because Howard, Howard Cunningham in his black and white in his lounge room, 
on the black and white television, we'd be telling the kids to shut up because the Packers are on telly. So that was my link with the Packers and also the Milwaukee Brewers. That's how I've selected those couple of teams for my... They were for great my times. And, and it isn't amazing, those TV shows. It, it honestly brings back wonderful... Uh, yeah, it was a, uh, nice times. We should do that, actually. We, yeah. Well, I'm sorry if you get them. Anyway, just to finish the point, so the North American Soccer League started whenever it did, 1977 or 74 or something. So mm. we were just coming into active sport as kids. Um, why would we have gone to soccer? Because Carol Brady in 1971, in that episode where Greg Brady got selected for the high school American football team, and Carol panicked. She didn't want her son playing that rough game. That's so this, right. This sentiment was obviously around in America, the American middle class as it, as it was in ours, you know, to, yes. our mums didn't want us to play um, rugby. Yes. wasn't on the map in, in Sydney at that time, really. And so we ended up playing soccer. Now, if you recall that episode, Greg had to concoct his, a story with his father to go and play American football without Carol Brady knowing. And he got injured. And he got injured. And yes. A photographer and he falls in love with the cheerleader and takes photos of the cheerleader. Anyway, it made me think, because you were saying last week, I think we would have played baseball or done this or that. And and yes, but you know what? American middle-class mothers, probably not that different from our yeah. Australian you know, middle-class mothers. And for similar reasons, we might have still ended up in soccer. Just imagine if we were living in America in our 50s now, starting a soccer doctor's podcast. Oh, it'd be huge. Of course it would. It would be absolutely huge. I mean, we had Grant on the other week. He's enormous over there. And um, yeah, gee, I think that's a that's actually a, something we should do. How's, uh, well, your kids are out of school age now. Um, and I don't want to talk about COVID, but I do need to ask how you're going with it because you'll be coming out of lockdown soon. And how are you faring? I, I'm, I, I feel... Uh, I feel really good. I mean, uh, like I've said before, I've been effectively in lockdown since I left Australia to go to the Middle East. So, so that was May May twelve. I left. I arrived back June sixteen, June seventeen, and then I was two weeks, you know, in hotel quarantine. Look, I I think we were brought up just to get on with it, weren't we? <laughs> you know, and uh, and that's what I do. And it really, it's not that tough. I can go out, I can exercise. I, I work a lot from home anyway, so I'm, I, I feel fine. Haven't been able to have a haircut, hence the hat. But um, you know, and I you took up. You don't have a pair of scissors. Yeah, and I took up my. I've had a wonderful time actually because I took up my new hobby with my with my wife, which has been fantastic. And um, that hobby has grown extensively. To um, I'm looking at our carport now and. There's there's a lot of motorbikes in it. <laughs> but you've got how many Maseratis and two Harleys now? No, no, no. So you've no. got the Audi and the Maserati. <laughs> I sold a car. Hmm. Yes, and this has got nothing to do with soccer doctors, everyone, but um, my lack of um, motor sport as such. But now I'm, yeah, I'm off the cars. The cars right. are, they're undercover. We don't need right. them. It's into the, yeah. into the bikes now. Do you... Um... Yeah, I've seen some of your videos. They're inspirational. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> you're such a, well, you're the reason. You're the reason this has grown because you're, and people that listen to this regularly 
heard your horrific comments about comparing me to Robin from Robin's <laughs> Nest, which was one of our favorite shows and showing me like that. And I went from just having a, a nice, comfortable bike until the other day, yeah, I picked up another one. And um, yeah, it's all because of you. I, I am absolutely blaming you. And probably my weakness um, of what you say, it affected me at school and, uh, <laughs> and um, made, me have, made me have these terrible yeah memories of my hsc because of you just jabbing me you know like that now you're doing it with the bike and now before i know it subconsciously i've gone out and bought another motorbike to try and impress you it's like yeah, you're right. the big oh, you it's know, the, yeah, yeah it's impressive <laughs> Where I, was i the inspiration for you to walk the catwalks <laughs> well well we all know you, claim that one too. You, you were the most loved uh guy at school mm. by the mm. girls <clears throat> Yeah, so I, a, <laughs> I, I need to ask you this. Actually, I saw a picture of you the other day. Um, there was uh, they had a picture of Sydney City. Oh, yeah, I saw that too. In 1985. I, I, I actually suggest everyone try and find that um, because you'll see a young, young Harps there. Yeah, 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 that was a great team. One that it was a that was a great team, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you this, Craig, do you suffer from? Any loco guilt? Lockdown guilt. Mm. Have you just coined a new phrase? Loco guilt. No, well, I, I like it. And um, what would my guilt be? Because you seem really relaxed in your lockdown. Oh. It's a leading question from me because I, I, I think I come in and out of loco guilt. We, we, we moved out of the city 14 odd years ago. Mm. to find space and and to, you can't I don't want to use the word isolate now because it's got all these connotations and and lockdown has been some people have done well out of it business wise there's no mm. fact but it's been a horrendous experience for a lot of people um, and I compare it to mine and I think you know mm. I do from time to time feel a bit of loco guilt because being on the on the farm and having space as just without you know living in a inner city high rise apartment trying to homeschool kids yeah. without internet um, I can I really feel for people hence the question have you suffered from any of that loco guilt no like I uh, I think what I try and do is not have suffer guilt in my life I try and be able to empathize with others and so I am conscious of that I can talk from a reality of it's been pretty easy for me. You know, I don't, um, so I have to be very aware of that when I, when I talk and appreciate the difficulties people are going, going through. So, yeah, I, I would say, I, I suppose also I'm with my kids, I think I really respect their position that they're in their early twenties and, you know, it's, it's changed their life a little bit where they might be traveling and it's, and uh, I've been very proud that they just get on with it. Um, so, yeah, look, I do appreciate it. Interesting enough on that, Harps, I saw some statistics, um, horrible statistics on suicide, um, which I think is a, is a major issue in our society. But um, the, the statistics came out for 2020 for the COVID, uh, COVID period that suicide rate actually went down. Um, not by much, but there was that big thought that it, it would have gone up, you know, with the increase in mental health issues. Um, so, so that was that was surprisingly good and uh, positive. But there's no doubt that this has had 
and an impact on so many people um, from a business sense, uh, personal sense, like you said, homeschooling, um, having the kids there trying to work and all that, all that sort of stuff. With an internet that doesn't work. I mean, with the one, you know, when we come out of this, you just wonder how seriously our authorities are going to come to grips with some fundamental issues. And I, I would I would love to engage an actuary or a really a really smart numbers guy to go back through the books of the last what 20 years of funding cuts to health and education, mm. closing country hospitals, closing wards, reducing the number of beds, all looks great on a balance sheet, the profit mm. and loss statement. Then I'd love I'd love someone who's got the capacity to do this, and there must be in existence, to actually work out how much money that cost-cutting has quote-unquote saved to the point when I wonder if it's now worth it mm. because the country being shut down for two years and the economic um, calamity that's been, that's, that, 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 that's been, that's befallen us. Mm. I, I wonder now if someone could crunch the numbers and say, yeah, that was worth it. Because the reason why, I mean, rehashing stuff, the reason why everything's shut down is because the health system doesn't have the capacity to cope with a flood of, of infections. Yep. Um, and I just wonder now, if we went back 20 years, would it be that smart to, to cut all these hospital beds, to cut these wars, to cut country, country hospitals? Does it look that smart a decision now, having cut whatever fat was on the bone and, and I think the same about you know schools and the NBNs are classic don't worry you can stay at home and work by zoom like hell you can yeah you know you've got five people trying to get onto an internet server through inadequate internet because again the bean counters decided we can't afford to do plan a let's do plan c minus well well you raise a I mean it's a fantastic point you raise and it really comes back to what's the point of government and, and what are they saving like, what are they cost cutting for? I, I don't, I don't really understand. I, th I think government's there to support our community to live the best it can possibly live. And shutting hospitals and doing what they've done to schools, and you know, in our, uh, we've talked about this a lot. Like, I would love to see someone do the analysis and the relationship between taking um, PE teachers out of primary school and physical activity in primary school and what that yeah. leads leads to in respect to uh, obesity, long term health, and cost. Yeah. Cost. Well, one of the exactly, I totally agree. We've talked about this before, but again, one of the benefits, if the, if we can even use that term, of the whole COVID and lockdown situation, it does enable us in our own way to put a little microscope on various things that affect us. We can, you know, and hopefully people are taking a broader purview. The people in authoritative positions can take a broader purview. But I, I look at the homeschooling thing and, and the teachers at my local school, fantastic. And my mm. son's classroom teacher is just a legend. My assessment is that they're just completely overburdened with bureaucracy. Yeah. And when I watch, you know, the homeschooling thing and how much, you know, how much more can be fitted into a day? And yeah. I'm thinking, because the other, the, one of the things we have enjoyed and have really not taken for granted at all, we've enjoyed every moment, being, um, being a busy family and there's plenty out there, kids playing sport, doing after-school stuff. When you're, in, when you're in the cut and thrust of your normal life outside of COVID, you know, most nights of the week, you're not getting home from after-school practice or training or music lessons till 
eight, nine o'clock at night, then having dinner, then kids going to bed. And you've talked about you know ridiculous school starting times for adolescent boys. Yeah, yeah. They should be asleep then, energizing yeah. their body. Have we got the wit or the desire to actually stare this issue completely in the face and do something about it? Because we, as part of our lockdown and not having all these extracurricular activities, have just so enjoyed as a family sitting down every night, 6, 6.30, and spending the evening together. It, it has been yeah. irreplaceable time. So now I'm thinking, why can't that be the norm? Why does that have to be the exception? Why do we need a pandemic to have a society actually force us to spend time together as a family and quality family time? Because I'm thinking a lot of this stuff that we're doing as an extracurricular activity should be in the school day. Well, I agree, I agree with you. I'm going to ask you a question now. And this is one that I was asked recently. Um, yeah, when, I was, when we were looking at our, our life and, and thinking, okay, what would stop you homeschooling your son? Now, when I say homeschooling, we often think, oh, yeah, can't do it. And the normal thing that comes up is, oh, yeah, because they'll get no socialization and they'll be weird because... You know, often the original homeschooling was, you know, it, it had a, a lot of relationship with uh, uh, religious groups used to homeschool their kids. And, and that was the perception. I think the modern day, I, I think there is absolutely, um, it could be the time for a new brand of homeschooling. What that looks like, I'm not sure. Uh, and it mightn't be what the traditional homeschooling is, but you are exactly right. How much, what, two hours of work is done, but they're at school six hours? Like, uh, there is so much more time that we could use to put this into a schooling, uh, a schooling day, and the kids are going to be better off. I, I don't have the answers as far as what that would look like for the yeah. best holistic performance of a of a kid but all i'll say is and i see it a lot hops it is absolutely ridiculous and you're uh, you're in regional uh, area so your travel times are oh better except sometimes you, i know you have to travel extensively for for football but in sydney like you got four kids and you got uh you got one that's a bit of a, a football player and he's training five days a week uh, and got games on the weekend and the devotion is in there. Uh, what are the other kids doing? The, fam the family unit's never together. And we're, yeah. we're worried why family, family splits in a, in a lot of different directions. There's no time. The mm. kids are not healthy because they're getting, getting food at nine o'clock. They're, they're winding down. They're going to sleep at 10 o'clock. They're up at six o'clock, you know, because then they've got to get to school and they've got to, it's just, come on. Mm. Come yeah, on, it's time for us to go stop keeping up with the Joneses because a lot of this extracurricular activity, if we like it or not, is keeping up with the Joneses. Maybe, maybe so, but it's also because, you know, the, the school, that six hours of school window is not activating these different things. You know, the school day, my assessment, just watching now is just so heavily bureaucratised. And unfortunately, mm. school systems is now completely hogtied to a, to a state bureaucracy and no, nothing can get done. You know, everything moves so slowly and mm. the people who get promoted through the education system are the people 
who can impress the bureaucrats, who can answer the, ask, answer the questions in interview bureaucratically. They can present a CV which which is completely checked off all the bureaucratic requirements at the expense too many times of having educators leading schools. You know, you see bureaucrats as principals um, and not in isolated cases. I, I think it's a, it, it, it's a generally applied theory that people who get promoted, a lot of people who get promoted through the education system are promoted because they can do the bureaucracy well. And, and the yeah. born inspirational yeah. educators yeah. are, are hogtied. And well, I, I, I spent 10 years working at TAFE. TAFE used to be in a, a fantastic organisation. I saw exactly what you, what you said, and TAFE is nearly dead now. And, and, I put it, and, and I put it down to the fact that the bureaucrats came up. And I used, to, I used to sit there and think, I used to go to meetings and think, how, how did this person X get into this position? And you know what I put it down to, Harps? The, the bigger diary you had and the bigger bigger piece of uh, stuff you carried around, the more you get promoted yeah. And, yeah. and you looked the part. So I used to be head of a department. <laughs> I wasn't very good. And I worked out, I'd have to go to all these meetings and I would just be like, what am I doing? And then I worked around, you know, all I've got to do. I used to carry a folder around with me in a book and it had nothing in it. <laughs> And I've got to tell you another story about that. I used to get overwhelmed because I'm not a good like, like that, you know, and, and I would get copious amounts of paper coming into me, coming in and thinking, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do with this? I, and uh, <laughs> I'd put it in a drawer, you know, in, in, my, in my office. And this is no word of a lie. I'd put it in my drawer <laughs> and think I'll get to it one day and I never, ever got to it. And, you know, each year or after a couple of years, I'd clear out that drawer and this stuff that I was worrying about didn't matter. And I just throw it out because it didn't matter. It was just the most horrendous, incompetent people leading that organization. Mm. I, I can't stress that hard, hard enough. Yeah. I can't tell you how TAFE is ruined because of that. Um, and what happens? You know, I... I studied leadership and, and, um, and work a lot with leaders. The worst leaders that are incompetent hire incompetence yeah. and surround themselves with an incompetent echo chamber. And, yeah. I, and I feel very strongly that's probably what happens in education. Well, in my view of a government-run education organisation. Yeah. I, noticed, I, I noticed the great John Marston has just released a new book and it's entitled taking risks or something like that, getting kids to take risks. Yep. He's, he's a guy who practiced what he preaches. He started a couple of schools himself. He's running one now in Victoria. And, you know, kids in too much cotton wool and, you know, they've got to learn to deal with certain things in life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, his point is one that's going to resonate with a lot of people, certainly does with me. And it gets back to that school thing, you know, the bureaucracy things can't happen because I've spoken to teachers. Yeah, that's a, that's a great that's a great project that you're proposing, but you know what? I think we'd have trouble getting the risk assessment through. Oh yeah. <laughs> so so you have a great program, educational program. Someone who wants to present a program to inspire kids and be an inspirational leader themselves. Because we all know, our own experience all tells us that the teachers that had the greatest impact on us were not so much the teachers that had the greatest grasp of their, of their content, 
although that was important, the teachers who had the greatest impact were the teachers who inspired you. Yeah. Everybody you speak to has got a teacher that they at least in part wanted to be like. That's a teacher. We got a system that's either that's not harnessing those people or running them out of town, and it just becomes a bureaucratic exercise. And I don't know if this is ever a chance of happening. I don't think the authorities, given their you know their cost cutting sensitivities, would ever do it. But the more I watch, the more we should in the primary years from K to six, or at least three to six, we should be unleashing full time specialist teachers in art, sport, music, maybe even manual arts, full-time. Because there are so many kids who's, who, who connect with those different things, but they don't get the opportunity. And what do we produce? We produce kids who are dis, disaffected from the whole system, disengaged from their own education and their teachers. Depressed. We're preparing kids for, for a life on social security and all sorts of other social problems. With a, one of our seven, we're up to 12 listeners now, or what? One of our dozen listeners, regular listeners, NABDJ, never a bad day, Jeff, I think he calls himself. Um, we know a little bit about him. He's an outstanding community man. Very active. Uh, very good. Yeah, very nice man. Mm. Very active in football community, wonderful coach, teacher by trade. He's got some great stories. Now, he was telling me a story about a kid. Uh, that he taught years ago, this person to be mid to late 20s now, was a troubled child at school. Um, as it turned out, to use a label, was probably somewhere on the spectrum, but no one really knew, no one could get through, no one knew this person, this youngster was just sort of not reading, not writing, not really engaged, not doing anything until the music started. Yep. And this person in the end be, happened to be fortunate that there was some sort of music at this primary school which which went on in the classroom, this, this kid came to life. And now as a mid-20-odd-year-old, he's a professional dancer doing shows in Broadway. Wow. That's a great yarn. How many other kids, whether it's sport, art or music, you know, that's their, that's their access point to life, well, to appreciating the- things, to stimulating their mind, and we don't Absolutely. do anything with it. Absolutely. There's a wonderful, uh, and I'll put it in the show notes for everyone, if you haven't seen it, and I don't know if you've seen it, Harps. Uh, so Ken Robinson was an education expert, English, um, English born. I think the TED Talk is the most watched uh, uh, TED Talk. If you haven't ever listened to TED Talks, there are these um, uh, education type talks. And uh, I think it had over 20 million views. And it was about the loss of creativity where he talked, uh, he talked about that, that the overemphasis on the basic reading, writing and arithmetic, you know, and the loss of um, creativity. Can we put yeah. that in there too? Yeah, reading, writing, arithmetic and bureaucracy. And, and the arts and the sports and that we do not engage uh, we know, so, Craig, so many people. Craig, we know this is true. We know it. I mean, so, so what sort of system that's got anything going for it knows this on the one hand and does nothing with it on the other. What well, sort of condemnation is that? Well, well, let's take a look back at politics and, and go, I think one of the most upsetting politicians of our era, and I can only put it down to the bureaucracy, was the um, 
the former, I suppose he is still a former, well, no, he was a, a Labour minister, Labour politician, I thought he would have changed the world, uh, was Peter Garrett, the, the lead singer of Midnight Oil. And you saw what he did in politics, which was effectively zero, after singing about the environment for, for many, many years. All I can put that down to is that the bureaucracy is so strong, mm. um, you know, it's just full of politicians that really come from a privileged upbringing. Um, we've lost the politics. We've got career politicians now. Kids that go to university and then they're an advisor to a politician and then and then and then that's it. They they come from the same men. They they don't have the the ability to empathise. I think with the with reality. Mm. All I, that's all I can put it down to. Mm. Like even if we're talking about this COVID situation and and what's been happening and even with and I don't want to talk. About, oh, I'll just talk about it for a minute. The absence of leadership is, for me, as, a, as someone that studies leadership, is just, I, I, I can't even stress enough to, to say just how poor it is at leading a nation, leading just the communication. I don't, do not know who is advising these people on how to communicate. I, I effectively will say that it's a difficult job, but just how they messed up the whole vaccine um, rollout, the vaccine information. And yes, I'm, you know, I come from a science background. I've studied the vaccines. I'm, I can, you know, people have their own, uh, own choice, but, you know, they're, they're effectively very safe vaccines. And how, how, um, the the rhetoric that they've come out with and their their inability to persuade has just been horrendous and just to mm. use that big stick approach when it didn't have to be that mm. I, I mean i'm just yeah like i i we need more people in politics that uh, are actually real world that have leadership qualities how many of these politicians have actually studied leadership mm. how many how many people in the bureaucracy of education have actually studied how to lead. No, haven't we had to, haven't we had to send a few of them away to, to learn how to treat women? Yeah, don't even. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, so I mean, getting back to, I suppose, our primary focus of sport. Um, you are right. If, if the what has it done, and not having trained PE teachers in school is is just. And, but let's not let's not just keep it. Let, let's not restrict. There should be a trained music teachers. Yeah, there should yeah. be there should be trained art teachers, trained sport teachers mm. in the system, every school mm. on a full time load. Mm. Taking that off the hands of the classroom teachers who can focus on their other things. I don't. I don't know what. I, the only reason you wouldn't do it is because people think it's too expensive, and I say the cost of not doing it is more. Absolutely. And look, I've got, you know, my sister and my sister's daughter are teachers and they are fantastic. And, you know, I'm not biased here. I just know my sister is a fantastic teacher. My niece uh, um, is just an incredible teacher, uh, I think, um, from what I've seen. Like there are the teachers out there. There it's are these. They're, right. they're, and and what, what scares me is that they go in with the right reasons and then they get killed off by the bureaucracy. Yep, exactly. That, and that's not right. 
Now, Mate, speaking of politicians not mm. and sport, yes, Lisa Devana gave a pretty impassioned interview this week. Fair to say, you know her well. I, I know her fleetingly, admired her incredibly, but I have to defer to you on this. Um, as she, she says she's been let down by the game. Does the game owe Lisa Devana anything? Oh, absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. I, I do know Lisa well. I've worked with her. Um, and I do, yeah, I, I, I do know her. I, there is no material. Who is Lisa Devana, Craig? Well, I think she's one of the greatest female players, if not the greatest female player we've ever had. Let's be serious. In the, in, from a world perspective, yes, we've got Sam Kerr now, and Sam Kerr is an outstanding player and, and that sort of stuff. But Lisa Devana has stood the test of time far longer and Sam I mean this is not taking anything away with Sam but people that are listening to this that don't know Lisa Devana um, and don't know how good she is you're talking an absolutely world-class player over a decade more than a more than a decade she is one cap short of equaling the record for the Matildas I have never seen an Australian player male or female who loves that badge, that our, our, our emblem more than Lisa Devana. Uh, yes, she gets people offside. Yes, she gets other players offside. Why? Because of her passion. Because of her passion and her desire that everyone um, plays to the standard. She doesn't suffer any fools or any mucking around or anything like that. And she she's uh she won't hide that and uh that gets people offside i'm not saying lisa devana is an is an angel i'm not saying that she's easy to manage however i saw alan stagic get the best out of her alan stagic knew to have a successful matilda's team you need lisa devana you cannot tell me that Lisa Devana, I mean, it's even laughable. You cannot tell me that Lisa Devana is not, uh, if she's not in the top top uh, 25 players or whatever at the moment in the Matildas, from what I've seen, what I saw at that Olympics, what I've seen, you've got to be. So why, if she's that good, if she's that good, how, why are they leaving her out? Oh, I think. I think some people might think that she's too hard to manage. In my experience, um, the the greatest players uh, are hard. Uh, you know, she's not hard to manage at all. You just need to take an individual approach to every player you work with to get the best out of her. Now, out of everyone, but you can't tell me 15, 20 minutes, Lisa Devana off the bench is not going to change things. Um, you, you just can't, you can't, can't do that to me. I'm, I'm calling out... Uh, whatever they're called now, what are they called? Football Australia, Football Federation, what is it now? I mean, Football Australia, yeah. Fo yeah. Football Australia, I'm calling you out um, and asking you, are you going to give her um, in, any, in these games that are coming up that are meant to be in Australia, that are nothing games, are you going to give her, you know, 10 minutes off the bench to say goodbye? And if you're not going to do that, Why? You've got a person, I, I, I'm not sure of her caps. She's got 140 caps. 
and you're not going to give her a goodbye. And um, and you know how close I am to Tim, Tim Cahill, who who has probably been the greatest um, exponent. Right, he is. I mean, for me, the greatest soccerer ever, the greatest Australian player ever, has done more for our game, I think, than anyone. People can argue that. Um, and I'm an absolute Tim Kale supporter. He rightly so got what he deserved. Um, and to be able to say, say goodbye to the fans in, in Australia. Um, my biggest disappointment with Tim was that he I, he, I think he could have kept playing. And that was someone that worked with him for, for a long time. And I know him very well physically and all that sort of stuff. He could have kept playing, but there was, um, if anyone out there wants to know how to transition careers from a player into another life i mean tim had been working on this many many years he's an example to everyone in every way however lisa deserves deserves this the way she's been treated is is wrong i think um and yeah i'm gonna call you out football australia why come out and tell us why um <laughs> is it is it too hard basket has she got too much to say and I know she hasn't said what she's got to say because you've still flipped over what you did to Alan Stadgett. They still, they still have covered that over and it's, a, and it's a disgrace. I know what happened. I'm not going to come out, but, I, you know, maybe, maybe one day I will and just tell you exactly what happened because I, there is people there. I know the people that pulled the strings on Alan. So, and many of us do, but what people are afraid of football is around, not. Come out and tell us why you're not going to give Lisa Devana uh, uh, going away. Well, there are precedents. They have they have had farewell years years international matches, friendlies as farewells for players. Tim Carroll's just one, but he's not the only one. It, it certainly wouldn't be out of place. She has been uh, enormous for football in Australia. I've, she said very passionately that if it wasn't for the Matildas badge, well, she said it saved her life. So I want, I want you to consider this then, Craig, knowing her as well as you do. Because Lisa Devanna in, in interviews has said, the national team badge saved my life. Yes. Now, she hasn't really given any background as, as to, you know, her, why that was the case, but take it as read. But how worried are you now? You just talked about Tim Cale preparing for his life after football and what an enormous CV has developed for himself. Does Lisa Devanna's exit from football playing cause you concern? Yes, but all I will say is Lisa has some wonderful people around her, uh, some wonderful people um, that have helped her throughout, uh, throughout her life. Uh, she has a, a wonderful mentor called uh, uh, Rose Galifano, who I, who I know, um, who was actually a teacher of my kids. And and she took Lisa under her wing at a young age and really has assisted her. And I know Rose will, always, will be there, be there uh, supporting Lisa through this. Our friend, um, uh, Peter, Peter Hug, um, that we've got a podcast coming up with um, that we interviewed. Peter is a very good man and he is a, a, a great supporter of Lisa. Uh, Lisa what can you see her doing? <laughs> That's a really. Well, I mean, firstly, that we should cut to the chase. It, it, at this point, she's not being touted as making a re-entry into the W League sphere for the upcoming season. Now, that could all change, of course, 
Melbourne Victory, a current, current club, have said publicly that they're not expecting Lisa to return. Now, that, of course, could change. Uh, also, there are other clubs that might be smart enough to re-energise Lisa for their own W League campaign. But outside of that, so I'm not actually putting an end to her career until I believe it when I see it. She is total football, Lisa Devanna, has contributed enormously. And when she moves out of football in the short or medium term, what's she set to do, do you think, Craig? I'm not sure. I'd love to, and I might chat to Lisa about her coming on here and, and having a chat to us because I think it would be great. I, I think with the support group around her, they would be asking those questions uh, and working towards something. I'd love, you know who I would love to see sign her? Because I think she can play again. I uh, I think a year ago, I was I, I did a bit of work with Lisa to get her ready because they the, the new coach, to his credit, did... Um, Gustafsson? Uh, yes, he uh, did um, ask her, you know, did speak to her, I think, um, because we put a program together to get Lisa Lisa healthy when the off-season was, was happening. I thought she performed pretty well for Melbourne Victory, but, you know, co- coaches aren't... It's not, it's not the coaches. Uh, coaches always have the right to choose people and not choose people. I get that from what I know of her and what I've seen and having worked with the Matildas and then what I saw um, of the Matildas, I I just think, hang on, why wouldn't you carry her in the squad? Because 15 minutes of her off the bench is deadly. You know, I think, you know, or possibly deadly. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, I would love to see, um, I'm very fond of Kath Canoli. Catherine Canoli, who I think was a tremendous... Coach of the Wanderers. Yes, she's coaching the Wanderers. Uh, She actually was a student of ours for a period of time. My goodness, what a player she was and could have been even even better. She's, In my experience, when she was young, what I saw, I'd I'd never seen a female player that that good. And Kath Canoli, and I don't even know their relationship. I don't even know if they're close or that they, you know, how how they were as players. But I know Kath was had a similar sort of attitude, very passionate person. I I would love to see Lisa play for Kath. Um, Kath's first year as a as a coach, I think she'll be tremendous. Um, so that's an interesting one. I I, I would like to see Lisa play again. Um, it does it does, with the whole women's the, the growth of women's sport. Matildas have been leading that charge in a number of ways. Mm. The Women's World Cup approaching uh, in 2023, co-hosted by the Kiwis and us. <laughs> and every sport has to celebrate its champions. And with this whole emergence, this continued growth of the profile of the women's team, the Matildas, our national team, even more so at this juncture should their champions be celebrated. Um, and Lisa Devana coming to this crossroads point should be celebrated. <clears throat> and whether she's whether the coach is right or wrong in not seeing her as a as a playing solution to his immediate problems. And let's face it, <laughs> the Matildas at the moment have got more questions than answers. That's another topic for us to discuss at a later date. But if you're celebrating your champions and you're making an effort. Concerted to do concerted effort to do that, 
and Lisa Devanna doesn't fit your description of a national champion, you need to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> well, and so your point is right. These upcoming games against Brazil, if nothing else, the, the game should celebrate Lisa's contribution because it's been formidable. Absolutely. Like we're not like for anyone that doesn't know Lisa, and many of you listening to this won't. I can't tell you for us as Australians, for someone to put the shirt on, you do not want anyone else other than Lisa Devana. You know, like I know all Australian players will play for the badge, but I've seen uh, there there are differences. You know, there are there are differences. You know, of that of that passion, you see it. And Lisa Devana is one of the most passionate players for our country I have ever seen. She deserves, it's not even a no, it's, it's, I'll go as far as to say, look, if they do not give her this time, I'll, I'll just be, yeah. Yeah, it, it'd just be maybe one of the worst things I've ever seen happen. Um, so we'll, 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 we'll watch with a lot of care and a lot of interest as to how this plays out. Um, in the next little while, one of apart from watching her rip up the field, I had a very pleasant experience at a Sydney University blue and gold ball night where she and her great mate Heather Garriock, now a board member of Football Australia, which well that's interesting. It? Now I wonder if the board from someone like Heather, oh. who was a close friend of hers and longtime teammate, and and can I say with Heather Garriock, uh, Heather Garriock, there's another one. What a passionate player. And Heather didn't suffer fools. And she was difficult sometimes to manage, never for me, like, to work with. She was always fantastic. And and I love Heather Garriock. But that's exactly right. She Heather Garriock was another passionate person. And I would love, I, I would imagine that Heather is would be, would be not happy about this situation. Mm, well, it's a, it might, might be a tough one for her to manage because mm. of her seat on the board. But the point I was going to make was I saw the two of them at a blue and gold ball at Sydney University, their annual presentation evening. Mm. Um, and, mate, we've been to a lot of dinners, heard a lot of after-dinner speeches, seen a lot of sports people speak, varying qualities. Mate, these two, as a punch and duty act, were incredible. And they didn't, mm. it was totally unscripted. The chemistry between the two was infectious. It was really, really fun. And they were just, they were a couple of people amongst a group through the night who were up on stage being asked questions and doing their thing. But it, it was one of my most, it didn't go for long. It didn't have to. It was one of my most enjoyable nights mm. of that type, watching Gary Ock and Devanna do their thing. A great repartee, wonderful history between the two. And as much as, as, much as watching Lisa play, and, and Heather as well, but this chat's about Lisa Devanna. Um, we, we will watch with a lot of care and a lot of interest to see what transpires from here. Yeah, mate, look, uh, I've been saying that she should get 10, 15 minutes off the bench because it's a nothing game. What I was just thinking about then, she, even if it wasn't a nothing game, she is still good enough to be in that squad. A fit and healthy Lisa Devana is still good enough to be in that squad because I, I think, like, what are we talking? It's the 30th of September 2021. My concerns for the Matildas are, I don't know what the structure of the World Cup is. Are we going to have still this third place gets out of a group? Mm. Um, maybe they'll need that. No, it's an expanded World Cup this time. 
um, which is long overdue. I can't wait for that to happen to the Olympics as well, as we've said. I uh, just, you know, the team, their last performance against Ireland, I just think Mary Fowler was, we don't want to go into detail, but I thought Mary Fowler was a bright spot and is a real solution for the team if he can use it properly, but that's, there's more to be said on that. And the only other bright spot were the contributions of the three debutantes, um, Charlie Grant, Angie Beard and Claire Wheeler, um, who all of whom came on and, and, and did themselves a lot of favours. I thought Claire Wheeler should be starting in that team. I've said it a thousand times. She only got called up to this squad because Ellie Carpenter and Kai Simon had to pull out or were left out for some reason, fitness reasons or whatever, I'm not sure. Um, otherwise, Claire would have missed out on this this squad as well. And mm. anyway, we'll talk about them. We, we need to talk about the Matildas more, and we will, of course, as time goes on. This was all about Lisa Devano, and she deserves to have the conversation only about her. Yeah, I, I think so. And look, I, I will just, just say that game against Ireland, you know, there's probably a little bit of a dip after the Olympics and it came pretty soon after. So I might not read too much into that, um, but definitely, yeah, definitely there's some issues that we can, we can chat about uh, moving forward. But, mm. um, but no, it's been a good, dis good discussion today, Harps. Um, yeah, good to see you. Yeah. When are you yeah. going to cut your hair? You'll be out in a couple of weeks. What, what are we expecting? Oh, I'm thinking of just growing Perm, you had a permit? No, Why I don't think, get permit. I'm thinking of uh, like a Willie Nelson look. <laughs> if you're going back to the future, because you've, you've articulated how the various signposts of your childhood, how much you loved them, why don't you do a combined perm with a peroxide fringe <laughs> from your youth? <laughs> but isn't it funny? I mean, if anyone's listening out there that hasn't watched The Brady Bunch, gee, it was a wonderful show and happy days. I, I think I'm going to sit with my kids tonight and watch it. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, like it was just, you know, we used to see it after school, eh? You know, that's when we when we used to watch it, and it was just uh, just just good times. I remember asking mum, going, oh, "Was it really happy at that time?" And mum saying, "Yeah, the fifties were because it was after the war and all that sort of stuff." So maybe, maybe after our COVID, uh, we're looking for a for a happy yeah. time. Yeah, I think there'll be a renewed appetite for it. All right, mate. All right, chat. We'll talk again soon. Everyone else, have a have a great day wherever you are and and we'll be on again but uh keep those questions rolling in we didn't do any questions um it's been that fantastic have any no so i've got a bank of them it's incredible no. let's like, go to the bank let's yeah. go to the bank. <laughs> all right everyone see you soon thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode please contact us if you have any questions or feedback